Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Welcome back to the 19th Tee Podcast, another dose of golf without the jacket and tie, Kieran Marsh, with you as always. It's been an enormous week. It's only the middle of January, and yet we seem to have had an awful lot of water under the bridge in terms of results, news all around the golfing world. There's plenty to get through this evening, and I am joined, as I always am, by my trusty playing partner, Nathan Drudy Drewster. What a, what a week. The content gods just keep delivering. They do. They do indeed. It's uh, a massive week. There's tournaments all over the world being won by some big names, being won by some little names. There's more controversy. There's plenty of stuff happening in in the world of golf and we are here to dissect every little part of it. So uh, hopefully hopefully we're not here for more than, or I don't know, I'm not going to put as high limit on it that we're going to keep to, but hopefully we don't bore our listeners too much. We'll do our best. Now, it's going to be thirsty work <laughs> getting through this long list of topics tonight, Drew. So let's sweat the lips as we always do and welcome our beer of the week. We've headed west. Yes, we're staying in the west. We well, sort of colonial. I'll claim colonial last week as West yes. Australian, even though a little bit out of Victoria. Now, these guys, Gage Roads Brewing, are doing absolutely fantastic things. We have gone, and this is your selection this week, KM, and I must admit I'm a little surprised that you've gone for this one. You've gone for the Little Dove, which is the New World-style Pale ale, it is six point two percent in alcohol, so a little bit higher. Than, yeah. <laughs> little bit higher than what you're used to. Did you turn the can over before you picked it up? Uh, no, no. Yeah, I actually saw so. the uh, saw the percentage as I was walking away from the yeah. bottle shop. So. No, all good. This is the culmination of months of collaboration between the entire brew team. The project was to create the best tasting New World Pale Ale possible. I think they've done a good job because in draft. Little Dove was crowned champion Australian beer at the 2016 Australian International Beer Awards. Aromas of tropical nectar ranging from pineapple to passion fruit to guava. Sweetness from the tropical fruit character. Perfectly balanced by robust bitterness. Enough talking. Crack this little bad boy open, KM. Uh, It's a... Hard work. It's a... It's uh, well packaged is what it is. That was a a task, getting that open. It's a... um, it's a very delicious beer. This, yeah, uh, I like but, that. But the six point two percent can too. I like <laughs> that too. Yeah, they do. A little three hundred and thirty mil or whatever it is. Now, Drewster, uh, as we make <laughs> our way through the first few mouthfuls of the little dove, before we get stuck mm. into the results, we need to kick off with a thank you. Yes, uh, and that is uh, a most profound thank you uh, to you, not you, Nathan Drudy, but you, the person listening to this. Thank you very much, Kiga. Our listeners. Uh, we, uh, for the very first time, cracked the number one spot in the Australian Golf Podcast rankings on Apple Podcasts last week, and it is all thanks to the uh, outstanding support of our listeners. Now, these charts, Drudes, they tend to be quite a fluid thing. Yes. We may not stay there for very long. We've been consistently pretty much in the top 10 for yep. the last couple of months. We have hit top three a couple of times. We've hit top, top one, the top spot, pole yeah, position right. for the very first time last week. And, yeah. Uh, we endeavor to stay there for as long as humanly possible, but it is all thanks to the, the support. We only get there because you download, subscribe, and listen to this podcast. And, uh, and we do want to say 
a very, very big and gracious thank you to our listeners. Hopefully uh, this podcast is bringing you a little bit of entertainment, be it uh, at the gym, on a run, on the bus or train to work, in the car. You might be walking around the course on the weekend. You've got the ears in. Driving range. <laughs> the driving range, absolutely. Wherever you're listening to it, uh, we, we, we take great pride in bringing this to you each and every week. Also bringing you some fantastic stories from across the golfing world. And we thank you, uh, you know, from the very bottom of our hearts for, for your support and look forward to continuing the journey together, Druids. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, I was very excited when I refreshed that chart uh, late last week and saw that yeah, we so were got number one. Text wasn't yeah. exactly um, legible there for no. a period of time. Your no. assignment was well, coming through palpably on the check. I suppose just for clarification, it takes into account every golf podcast in the world and in Australia. We had the most listens and were the most downloaded and most popular. So yeah. that was pretty cool to beat out some of the podcasts that we totally um, admire and listen to. So. Uh, to, the, to the fans thank you very much keep uh keep listening subscribe rate leave a little review on uh on apple Podcasts, and and just spread the word tell one one golfing friend this week about our podcast would be greatly appreciated as we uh get stuck into the american express km yes andrew landry a winner for the second time on the pga mm. tour druids it didn't have it all his own way <laughs> no Jesus the last nine holes he was cruising Five or six stroke lead, he birdied 10, 11, and 12 to look to pretty much seal it. And then the wheels started to come off, but uh, he got the job done over a fast finishing Abraham answer. Yeah, he did. Uh, Jesus, that could have been one of the great chokes. Um, he was up by six shots, I think, before. He was. Uh, yeah, he Abe was. answer that he can play. Like I saw him at the President's Cup, and, and he is a seriously good golfer. So, but uh, yeah, win number two for Andrew Landry. Um, on Abe answer, he tied the course record 63 in the final round on a course that, um, in my mind, is only being described as a bastard because, oh my God, rocks, water, bunkers, the whole lot. It was uh, it was an absolute disaster to uh, to watch some of those shots. Um, we'll speak, of course, of the stadium course at PGA West oh with How apt that the the week after we lost the legendary Pete Dye. Yeah that the tour goes to a Pete Dye course, which absolutely bent a number of players over. Absolutely. And, and you know, it, it, it was, it was the perfect representation of Pete Dye's uh, theory and his ethos. And that is to challenge a player. His courses weren't built uh, to be bombed or gouged to welcome players and the scores mm. of, uh, you know, ridiculous under par. It was a challenge. That's how he designed each and every one of his courses. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, the stadium course at PGA West. It was interesting to see, obviously, um, split over that and, and La Quinta Country Club and yeah. the scoring differences. You know, the, the players who started out um, the tournament at La Quinta and then switched across the stadium were coming in with, you know, entering entering the stadium course at 14 or 15 under after their rounds at La Quinta Crazy. and then almost hitting a brick wall. And I just thought that it was almost poetry, to be honest. The week after we lost Pete Dye, as I say, to go to one of his most famed courses and to see the world's best humbled uh, by, the, mm. by the legendary architect's work, it was, uh, it was fantastic to watch. Yeah, it certainly was. I mean, look, overall, a, a relatively weak field uh, assembled, but still produced some very good golf. Obviously, Andrew Landry, he turned his form around a lot. He's missed eight cuts this season. <laughs> eight cuts. <laughs> Unbelievable. He would well to 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 put not too fine a point on it. Last week, yes. Did you read this? 
he, he was 13 over par in scoring. He missed the cut by 12 shots just last week. He was cumulative plus five for the year coming into the year. Phenomenal. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal. I thought it was just going to all just turn into a, a disaster again for him after he uh, started dropping shots and A-bands is just charging down the outside at the Flemington Strait. I thought, oh, God. I, I, I mean, look, I really wanted Abraham Answer to win, but I also felt really sorry for Andrew Landry. <laughs> it was just not going well for him. But, look, hey, he's turned his form around. He's a winner on the PGA Tour for the second time. Good on him. Absolutely. I, I think it was, um, yeah, I, it, was a, it was a great performance, really, when you think about it. As I said, birdied 10, 11, 12 today, a six-shot lead that within the space of 45 minutes was evaporated. He went in tied for the lead into 17 with Abraham Anser. And the way that he played those final two holes, given uh, he was, you know, the skates were coming off, really. Yeah, he was sliding on, on, on ice. And the way that he managed to compose himself and the, particularly the tee shot on 18, going, you know, I'm not sure whether or not if it had gone to a playoff, whether he'd be able to hold Anser at bay. Mm. But to have the composure... And, and the self-awareness just to take a deep breath and absolutely nut the drive on 18. And yeah. then his approach shot, um, you know, within four or five feet uh, for, for, for victory. Uh, it was very impressive given where he was only half an hour beforehand. So a big congratulations to Andrew Landry. Uh, there's a few other noticeable things out of the tournament. Uh, an Australian that we've been sleeping on. and Yeah, we have. Fair, yes. Uh, yeah. But to be fair, we had, we had uh, a winner on the PGA Tour just last week in Cam Smith, but his namesake, Cameron Davis, his form of late uh, led the Aussies in this tournament, uh, 14 under at T29, but he was a top 10 last week in the tournament that Cameron Smith won. Mm. His form of late on the PGA Tour, uh, not only has it been consistent, but consistently outstanding. He is really pushing uh, for, for such a young player, relatively inexperienced in the PGA Tour, certainly not overawed by the platform or the stage. Mm. He is making the most, uh, you know, of his of his breakout here on the PGA Tour, and, and you know, we'll put our hands up. As I said, we've been sleeping on Cameron Davis, but no more. It's a player that we'll keep a keen eye on going through the remainder of the PGA Tour season because he has started twenty twenty with a bang. Yeah, he has, and he came back and played in the Aussie events as well, which was great to see. So, uh, yeah, he's he's going great guns at the moment. So the two Camerons leading the way for uh, for the Aussies at the moment. Yeah, Drew, it's just one I want to touch on as well from the American Express. And I think it, it speaks to a worrying trend that we're seeing that we are um, and have been of late vocal critics of the PGA Tour, but they don't do themselves any favours. Uh, I speak, of course, of an incident that took place in the second round on Friday on the 16th hole. Kevin Na, uh, uh, a favourite of the 19th tee, Salty, as you've obviously nicknamed him. Uh, he was playing with uh, Scotland's Russell Knox, and the 16th uh, was the course on Stadium West with, I don't even know how you describe, how do you describe that bunker, Trudes? Fucked. <laughs> In a word, yes. Uh, it, it, I, I don't really know how Just tall. Just put me down for 10. Yeah, like. not, <laughs> in, just in the bunker. I'm not really sure how tall the, the... It was almost like a cliff face. I think they do call it a cliff bunker. but Knox The PGA down. put out a, a thing on Instagram saying how tall it is. It's like it's, it was like stupid. It was like three Danny DeVitos or something ridiculous, but it was yeah. like as tall as a giraffe. Like it's huge, massive. Enormous. Russell yeah. Knox found himself at the bottom and an enviable position to be in on, on the 16th. But Kevin Nah had put himself within about five foot of the hole and didn't mark his ball. Mm. left his ball there. Now, Russell Knox, uh, an unbelievable shot from where he was. 
uh, but came within inches of knocking Kevin Nars ball. Wouldn't think anything of it. Had the PGA Tour not posted a video to their social media pages where you can clearly hear Kevin Nars <laughs> cheering on Russell Knox to hit his ball. Yeah, it says, he says, like, hit my ball or something, doesn't he? Hit my ball, hit my ball. Yeah. So we now have a player in Kevin Nars actively, actively pushing for backstopping. Hmm. Uh, rule 15.3, I believe it is, uh, talks about the fact that uh, only if two players agree not for the ball to be picked up is there a penalty. The penalty is two strokes, but that's how ridiculous the rule is. The two players, and I'm not sure whether that's a verbal contract, do we sign something on the scorecard? I don't know what this agreement between two players not to mark a ball is, but you've got Kevin Nah flaunting this rule, cheering for Knox to take advantage of his of his ball that's marked there. And worse still, probably the worst of all, Drew, you've got the PGA Tour normalising, normalising this flaunting of the rules Hmm. by turning it into a video that we share on social media, that we're proud of, that we put to our name. I just, it's another, it's another step towards, I think, patronising the fans first and foremost, but also, I don't know what the aversion is to, to punishing players uh, where we, we seem to be in this, this patch now with the tour where no, no amount of either clearly um, and fragrantly breaking rules or at least flaunting them comes with any sort of consequence. I, mm. I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite bemused to be honest. I don't, I don't really understand what they're hoping to achieve by being so weak in terms of enforcing the, the, the rules of the game. Yeah. I, I think it's a really hard one to, to, um, I suppose, provide a definitive answer on. Because I was, I was doing a fair bit of reading on this and um, players in stroke play can't agree to leave a ball in place to assist another player. But providing there is an agreement is no mean feat. That's the hard part, right? So I, I don't know, was there a conversation between Kevin Nahr and, and Russell Knox before that, that shot was played? You know, it's basically summed up. No proof of agreement, no rules issues. So... Oh. I think it's a, it is a very interesting um, time for the PGA Tour again because we're seeing this more and more. And you're right, talking about because he hasn't broken a rule per se; he's flaunted it. I think that's a good way to put it. But yeah, I think you know if your ball, you know, might have seen someone else's play, you've got a right to mark the ball. So, and don't get me wrong, Drew. I think that the scenario probably played into the fact that he didn't mark his ball. I mean, that's not your average bunker. We've, we've described it. Um, you described it quite aptly in one word, but I've got no doubt that he saw where Russell Knox was and said, there's no chance. There's no chance that he gets within cooey of my ball, let alone the hole. But I suppose... But is that, is that then... That's not a good enough excuse though. Well, that's, but, but it's not a good enough excuse because you wouldn't do it on the 72nd hole on a Sunday if you're in contention. So why do it? And mm. why allow yourself to be open to the criticism that I and many others leveling at Kevin Nah and the tour, why do it at all? I mean, take a mm. look a couple of weeks ago at Kapalua on the 72nd hole when Justin Thomas put his approach on 18 within four foot. He sprinted. Yeah. He sprinted 150 yards to, to mark the ball and pick it up before Patrick Reed took his shot. Mm. So that, that's, that's the, that's, that's the other end of the scale. That is in contention. That's last hole. That's, you know, that's you know, a, a, an approach that's 150 yards out. Reed's chances of hitting that ball are slim to none, but that's how much it means to Thomas that he provide any advantage at all. 
He sprinted yeah. to the green to mark his ball and pick it up. Yeah. The double standards uh, for mine is one thing, but it's also the tour just patronizing the fans. Like, yep. It's a clear case of flaunting a backstopping rule that has now been turned into some sort of piece of uh, social video content that we'd like to see go viral, concentrating on Russell Knox's shot and not having even the wherewithal to try and <laughs> even yeah. cover up the fact that Kevin Nuss encouraging him to hit his ball. I'd suggest he would have had a talking to. Because oh, like, like I say, like it's, it, it's, it's hard to, you know, hard to prove the collusion. Like I, ultimately that's what they've got to prove in, in this case. And it's a, it's a ridiculous thing that they have to prove. You should just have to mark your ball. Like if you pick it up. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's different if you, you know, got an approach from, you know, 150, 200 yards away, whatever it is. Like I'm not expecting you to sprint down and mark your ball before the next players played his shot. But mm. if, I mean, he was standing on the edge of the green. Just walk in and, and, and mark it. It was ridiculous. It's a simple solution to it. On the, uh, on the reverse end, Drew, it's a good news story. And we will, we will leave the American Express with this one because I don't know that there's any better way to round out speaking about the event in California than, than an incident that took place in the Pro-Am uh, on mm. Thursday. Canadian amateur Laurent Hatubis. Do you think I've got that right? Yeah, I mean, look, you're the one better at pronouncing names than I am, so French Canadian, probably. Lawrence was born uh, only with with one arm, uh, I believe. Uh, his right arm, he doesn't have a, a forearm or a hand. He took up the game of golf at 11 years of age. Has uh, you know an unrelenting passion, as we all do, for the great game. Participating in the prime on the Thursday and hit a hole in one. A, an unbelievable shot, but I think B, the video itself, we want to talk about bad videos that the PGA Tour put out in the past five or six days. We'll give him credit for this one because just to watch the reaction of him, more importantly, the reaction of his playing partners and how mm. they got around him. And then the conversation with him post his round, uh, you know, what the game means to him, how he's never let uh, his, his disability be an obstruction or an obtrusion to him playing the game. And, and the, the pure joy that he got out of a moment like that, it was, uh, it was, it was special to watch. Yeah, I mean, look, that's something he'll never forget. It was um, it was quite incredible to watch the ball just creeping closer, and you're thinking, oh, is it just going to take some nasty little turn? Is it going to pull up just short? But sure enough, it's right in the middle of the flag stick too, and and down it dropped, and uh, a wonderful reaction from from everyone on the group as there normally is when um, when an ace is scored. But I think it just highlights ultimately at the end of the day, you know, golf is just a game that we we play to. You know, kill four hours sometimes, but uh, to a lot of people, it means it means a great deal more. So, um, you know, it was it was awesome. That was such a great video to watch, and you know, that went viral too. So, some some good engagement the from right the uh, PGA Tour this weekend. For, I suggest for the right reasons, stuff. Correct. Moving on to the, the right European reasons. Tour, and we had the HSBC Golf Championship of Abu Dhabi, where Lee Westwood, the Englishman, uh, yes. his twenty fifth European Tour title. 44th title win uh, of his career, but only his second since 2014, I believe, after a win in, in 2018. The Englishman, the veteran Englishman, is back. He is. He is. Did you see that photo? Of... Oh, wow. <laughs> Speaking of content, right, and we're big believers that the European, co- uh, European Tour do content better than the PGA Tour. How good was the throwback photos that they put up of all the players? And his may well have been the best. Oh, it was hands down the best. I, I, I screenshot it. It was like, I don't know, 11 o'clock on a Friday night. I was like, 
Kieran will enjoy this at 2 a.m. or whatever time it was in, <laughs> in Brisbane. Unbelievable. Great. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you. Go and see it. It's on the European Tours social pages. It's on PGA Memes social pages. We might post couple it of too. He- Yeah, a couple, couple of the headshots of the European Tour players from the beginning of their careers. Unbelievable. But for, for Westwood... Let me tell you, Drudes, uh, a five under par 67 to close out in his, his, his final round. He fended off late charges from a number of players, Tommy Fleetwood, Victor Perez, uh, Fitzpatrick, who, wow, he's impressive. And we'll get on to him in a moment. But Lee Westwood now becomes just the third player in European tour history and the only active player currently to have won across four decades. Yeah, it's insane. It's quite a remarkable effort. Four decades, he's won at least one tournament. And if you watch him, I think in the past 18 months, he's, kind of, he's undergone a, a real resurgence. I think it's been a, a bit of a cultural shift for him. He was, let's, let's be plain, unlikable for yeah. a big part of his career. Mm. There seems to have been a bit of a relaxing of the pressure valve. He takes things a little less seriously these days. He's obviously still a very competitive golfer and loves the game, but he's not so caught up in himself. I think, and, and is enjoying it um, for for what it is, uh, one of the great passions of his life, and isn't too bothered, it seems, by the result. And and that, ironically, is releasing his best golf. Um, you know, he's, he enjoys himself a lot more these days. He posted a photo this morning, which the European yeah, tour again quickly jumped on, hungover, uh, <laughs> has had a big night, and wasn't, uh, wasn't afraid to tell everybody how big his night was after winning. Brilliant. The HSBC Golf Championship, but... Good to see um, a rejuvenated uh, Lee Westwood back in the back in the winners' circle, Drews. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's um, yeah, he's an interesting cat, is Lee. Um, but and I mean, I, I feel sorry for Tommy Fleetwood again. Like, the guy just consistently gets so close, but he's just never there. He's never holding the trophy. What's how many wins has he had? Probably a handful of wins, but just golf jesus just someone would jesus the real jesus please help the man out just give him a title Something. for our sake um Something. i tell you what though that that leaderboard populated uh with players who putting their name forward in a Ryder cup year lee westwood has yeah. said that he he wants to go again uh winning will always help that case um tommy mm. fleetwood uh for as long as he plays golf will be a lock after his performance <laughs> he has uh, to be francesco molinari in the last edition of the Ryder Cup, he will be forever picked. And young Matt Fitzpatrick, I, uh, I think he's there, Drutes. Uh, yeah, he's cool. Obviously, there's a lot of water under the bridge to go between now and, and September. Um, yep. But I, I think I'd be incredibly surprised if uh, Matt Fitzpatrick was on the European team. Yeah, he's, he's a gun. Uh, very young in his career. Um, he, he's going he's gonna to win majors throughout his, throughout his career. Um, the way that he just strikes the ball so clean, uh, so pure. Um, he's he's a lot of fun to watch, and um, he's someone that yeah, I absolutely agree. He's on the he's on uh, the radar for Ryder Cup, but uh, we we probably shouldn't be sleeping on someone like him to pull out a big performance in a in a major this year because you know majors majors are funny things. Uh, so. You, know, you never know that if he could be standing there with a green jacket in just a couple of months' time or, or with an open trophy or the claret jug, who knows? It'll be um, interesting times ahead for Matt. But there were some big names missing off the, off the I was leaderboard. I just about to say. KM. Not just off the leaderboard, not, not playing on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, not playing on the weekend. Bryson DeChambeau missed cut. Shane Lowry missed cut. 
Victor Hovland, who I've got massive raps on, missed. Eddie Pepperell, Danny Willett, all of these guys missed the cut. Um, pretty disappointing. I mean, even Brooks had a 75 in the third round. Um, it was, I reckon if you're a tour promoter, I mean, very popular winner in Lee Westwood, but you'd be disappointed with the likes, particularly of, of Bryson and Eddie Pepperell and Victor Hovland and these guys missing missing the cut. Absolutely. I mean, you, you, when you fill out your um, your sheet of participating players on Thursday and you're doing your groupings, I think those are all names you expect to see at the business end. Correct. So not be playing to see Brooks, um, as you say, shoot a 75 in the third round and finish at eight under, uh, 11 shots back from the overall winner. Uh, mm. he, he was tied with Patrick Cantlay as well at, at eight under. So these are all big names who... And not to not to sell Tommy Fleetwood or or, or Matt Fitzpatrick or Victor Perez short, but these are all names if you're the the tour who you've. I mean, these are not regular players; they're all PGA Tour players who you're paying mm. to come and play on on your tour, paying big bucks. I might add, they don't come for chicken feed. Correct. They're not featuring in the weekend. It it would be disappointing. Uh, it will be interesting to see. And we will talk um, very little about this tournament that they're all flying off to play in next week mm. in Saudi Arabia. But it will be interesting to see uh, what, if any, um, comeback there is from those players who were very disappointing on Thursday and Friday of the Abu Dhabi. Yeah, there it was pretty disappointing. I, I, there's a, a sense of expectation when when big name like Brooks Kepka when Brooks Kepka goes and plays in a, in a golf tournament. There's an expectation that he'll be competing if not winning. Uh, the same with Bryson DeChambeau. You know, they were both selected on the President's Cup team. I know that, that, that Brooks didn't, didn't play in the end. Shane Lowry was, won the Open. Victor Hovland is probably one of the hottest talents alongside, you know, Colin Morikara and Matthew Wolf. You know, Eddie Pepperell, Danny Willett. Danny Willett's a Masters winner. You know, the, these are guys that should be uh, contending. And I'm not saying you can never miss a cut in your entire career because that's unrealistic. But I think when they play tournaments like this, there there's an expectation that, guys of that caliber should be there or thereabouts at least. So one guy who was there or thereabouts was Scotty Hend. Yes. Uh, finished Hendo. T17 Hendo. at 11 under. So uh, another good little performance from, from Hendy there. So uh, the Aussies doing, doing some good things all around the world at the moment. Aren't they just, and we will get to our, uh, our usual Aussie route very shortly, but uh, congratulations to Scotty Hend. T17, 11 under in Abu Dhabi. Now, Druids, moving to the Asian tour, the SNBC Singapore Jeez, we're doing, Open. We're doing the rounds. Uh, we the world ticket. There was plenty on. There was plenty on this weekend, Druids. And, <laughs> and Matt Kucher, uh, a, a winner Oof. in Singapore. Cooch had a I big weekend. I love uh, it. Getting home uh, despite a late charge from the defending gold medalist, Justin Rose, uh, winning uh, for three shots over Rose. It was a, a really all set up on Saturday. Moving mm-hmm. round, as they say, moving day. Yeah. And he will and truly move with a 62 to set up his win in Singapore. Yeah, he did. You know, look, Justin Rose stormed home. He was four under in the final round as well. But, you know, Cooch had done enough uh, on Saturday to, to lift the trophy. So it was, um, you know, another good tournament. That little Asian swing is, is quite... Um, is quite quite good fun to pay closest attention to, and look good on the Singapore Open for pulling a couple of names in, like Matt Kuchar and Justin Rose, who you know decided to um, head down there and and play in the Singapore Open. They could have easily gone and chased the money um, up in Abu Dhabi. I'm sure they would have had uh, invitations there, or they could have gone and played at the American Express. But I think it's great when uh, when players, world class players, 
uh, go and play in some of these maybe lesser known tournaments uh, compared comparatively to what's going on. Completely agree. And I think the Asian tour do it really well. I was, I, I had a bit of time on the weekend. I, I found myself watching it for an hour or two. They do some great work with the broadcasts. Just mm. some, just some different um, funky graphics. Uh, they have a, a permanent leaderboard that sits in the left-hand corner of the screen. Mm. And depending on which player they're focusing on at any one time, they've highlighted his name on the leaderboard to give you context of where he's at uh, rather than, you know, that stock standard uh, graphic we get in the top left-hand corner of the PGA tour, which shows where they are to par mm. uh, as opposed to where they sit on the leaderboard. I, I thought the way they did their broadcast, they tried a few different things, which is in stark contrast to the PGA tour who've got had a cookie cutter approach for the last decades seemingly yeah. uh, i really liked sitting there and watching a bit of the asian tour because they play on some great courses they do part of the world that we very rarely see on the box mm. and they try some different things which is yeah. you know something we're screaming out for is just just do something different try something new mm. uh, one man who i do he he is a bit different speaking of different and and i do want to call him out is the jazz man jazz janawatananand yeah i'm, I'm glad you've got to right go there. with that he is a player who was outrageously consistent in the back half of last year. Many people calling for him to be a captain selection in the International President's Cup team. Yeah, that was that, wasn't there? Absolutely. There was a huge um, chorus uh, of people who know a lot more about the great game than you and I who thought he wouldn't have looked out of place at Royal Melbourne in mm. the international colours. I, I reckon he'll have a year. I reckon he'll have a year that, uh, that surprises a lot of people in in 2020 i'm not don't get me i'm not going to go and say it's going to win a major tournament but i think he'll figure in at least one of them yep a lot of people particularly over in america saying who is this jazz guy and why can't i pronounce his last name <laughs> yeah um he yeah he, he's stringing <laughs> some great golf together and he's, he, he's a character he's, he's a bit like he's a bit like the barn rat kiradek yeah i love there's I love some the great barn rat. characters yeah absolutely there's some great characters that come out of that asian tour and Jazz Janowatananon is, is another one of those and, and one name that we will definitely keep an eye on in 220 here at the 19th tee because I think he's, he's going to do some things that surprise a lot of people. Yeah, he will. Uh, someone who is also playing very good golf, uh, speaking of Aussies, is Travis Smythe. Uh, he finished T11 at 8-under. So just running with that theme of the, the Aussies doing uh, good things all around the world. Yeah, very, very impressed, Tris. I mean, we spoke about this briefly last week with, with the victory to Cameron Smith, but... You know, we, we, we were calling at the back end of last year for some more consistent performances from the Australians uh, right the world over on their respective tours in both the men's and the women's game. And we've, we've started, you know, 2020 with a bang. And, and hopefully that continues as we progress towards the major tournaments of the year. But some really impressive performances by the Aussies um, early on in the year. And, and long may it continue. Speaking of impressive performances by Aussies, uh, Ryan Ruffles uh, secured his Corn Ferry Tour status late in the game last year, Drudes. But he, yes. uh, fantastic performance, T11. Yes. Uh, two under, despite being a long way off the pace, you know, finishing just outside of the top 10 in one of his first uh, tournaments on the Corn Ferry Tour in the Bahamas last week. Great effort for Ryan Ruffles. Um, he, of course, um, comes from a, a good lineage. His sister, Gabby Ruffles, um, you know, making waves over in the college system in the, the States. But Ryan, playing his first year in the Corn Ferry Tour, had a, a great start to that tour in the Bahamas. But he is not the person I want to talk about here because <laughs> I don't know how much you know about Tommy Ganey, who was a four-stroke yeah. winner uh, on 
the uh, the corn ferry tour. Jesus Christ, mate! Just be very careful. Well, look, we shouldn't we shouldn't laugh because I mean, I started off I started off this episode talking about how the tour is normalising flaunting <laughs> of the rules or flagrantly breaking them. In Patrick Reed's case, um, the tour in Tommy Gainey's case is is normalising flagrantly breaking the law uh, because. Up until a month ago, Tommy Tommy Gainey was most famous for wearing two gloves. He's he's widely referred to as Tommy Two Gloves because for some unknown reason he wears he wears a glove on both hands. Bit of bit of an odd cut. And so this next bit of news shouldn't come as any great surprise. <laughs> but just a month ago, uh, and bear in mind th- th- this is the jump we're talking about: a man who was only famous for wearing two gloves up until this point of his career. At the beginning of December was arrested as part of a police operation called Santa's Naughty List. I'll, I'll repeat that. The, the operation was called Santa's Naughty List. And Tommy Ganey was arrested on solicitation of prostitution. Yeah. An yeah. undercover sting in Florida. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know how much more I can say about that, yeah, but just no, to repeat... Uh, arrested on a charge of solicitation of prostitution a month ago. Yeah. And a mere four weeks later, he is lauded as a winner on the corn ferry tour. Adreds, we've got, we've got guys in the PGA tour who are currently serving a three month ban for prescribed legal medicinal marijuana. And we've got a guy who's been arrested on solicitation of prostitution who not only has not served any punishment, but has won a month later and is lauded for his victory. I, I don't know. I don't know how much more of an example I can give you of how far out of touch the tour is, but Tommy two gloves, uh, as he's better known, really needs to sort his priorities out uh, off the course. And I would imagine that's staying out of incarceration and the tour probably need to sort out their priorities in terms of what they do or do not think is appropriate to be pushing and the players who they do or do not think are appropriate to be punishing because this is another embarrassing story. They've got egg on their faces. Once again, the tour for the ability, the inability to make a, any sort, any sort of decision or hold a player to account for it. It's quite amazing to be honest. I mean, I, I, I can't put a, a finer point on than what, than what you've just done there. It was yeah, when when you put this in the run sheet, I was like, "What? What are you talking about?" Like we we never really talk about the corn fairy tour, other and than you googled you know, it sort of towards the end, and then I googled it, and I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's, it's quite the story, and there, there's got to be more to it. There's got to be more to this story than someone getting arrested back in December, and now he's on the corn fairy tour. Like, is there and have have we? missed out some sort of the legal judiciary process uh, presumption of innocence as as per as per usual but I mean, sure, he's obviously out on bail well i mean druids can like you he imagine, has to be can you imagine i mean there is no bigger industry for sport and professional sport than america can you imagine a player in the nba you know on charges of solicitation a player in the nfl on charges of solicitation would they be out playing I think yeah, that's I'm not a really sure. Categorical no. But but beyond that, even if they were, even if by some sort of miracle, uh the their respective leagues hadn't seen fit to sit them until the legal action um was complete, you'd at least think it was spoken about. 
we went four days in the Bahamas with not one person, even after he won, mentioning the charge, not talking about it in depth, not bailing him up for a one-on-one interview, asking him questions about it. It was not mentioned. Yeah, I had to Google pretty hard to find it. It's what? like there's an edict from, from, from headquarters, nigh on high, that we, we cannot we cannot possibly... Like, let alone the players bring the game in disrepute. We, we we wouldn't we wouldn't ourselves do it by by shining a light on it or making a decision about it or punishing anybody or acting on it in any way, shape, or form. And definitely, if you're a rights holder and you're broadcasting, don't talk about it. Not not don't even casually mention it because we couldn't possibly expose the fan to any. any Imagine you know, that cease and desist letter. Oh my god! I just. <laughs> I, I, I grow tired of talking about it, but I feel if you don't talk about it, it normalizes it. And that's exactly what they want you to do because to have a player one month, one month after being arrested in a prostitution sting is holding up a trophy on the corn ferry. It's quite incredible. It's embarrassing, Druids. Absolutely. It is. The, just, look, well, the corn ferry tour stays in the Bahamas this week, so it could be more. Tommy stays out of trouble. <laughs> at the uh, great Abaco Classic at Bahama. Which mm. is underway, uh, has been suspended. Curtis Luck, is, uh, he's four under, two shots back at the moment. So um, Yes, recording this on Monday night. So, yes, you know, has been. good luck to Curtis. It could, could, anything could have happened by the time you are listening to this. But recording on Monday night with play suspended due to bad light, um, Curtis Luck is two shots back for West Aussie. So, yeah, definitely two shots back at the moment. I'd love to see him back on the PGA Tour. So, hopefully he has a big season. Does Curtis Luck on the corner? Very Moving right along, Droids, happy to put that one uh, firmly in the rear view mirror. A few other results to whip through before we get to some topical news in the world of golf. First and yes. foremost on the LPGA Tour. Now, this one, again, uh, at the time of recording Monday night, is live because the Diamond Resorts Tournament of Champions, Lake Buenavista in Florida, has not yet been decided. Uh, play suspended due to bad light, much like in the Corn Ferry Tour. After five playoff holes, so we are going into a sixth loose. playoff hole. Yes, loose indeed, Roots. We do have to come back uh, for, for another day's play, and we are into a sixth playoff hole. Uh, Gabby Lopez and Nasa Hatoaka, the Japanese player, are the only two remaining in B Park, uh, the Hall of Famer, was there for five holes, but she was eliminated when play, uh, just sorry, just before play, was stopped due to bad light. It's interesting, Drew, because one of these situations, and I've never, I've never understood this in any of the tournaments you see go to a playoff, they're continually playing 18. And <laughs> for the life of me, I can't understand why we don't mix it up. Maybe play one at 18, play one at 10. Do we go back to one? Play a par three. Yeah, we just keep going. Well, so this is, but this is the problem. So 18, where they're playing uh, in Lake Buena Vista, is a par three, but it's incredibly long. So most of these players are taking a hybrid or a five wood off the tee to reach this par three. There's no birdies. So MB Park has been essentially knocked out of the playoff for him the bogey. The three players had part or four playoff holes prior. Lopez and Hatuaka have part again for a fifth hole. If they keep playing 18 tomorrow, I don't know how long this goes. This could be one of those, like one of those games of tennis that goes to 30, 28 in the fifth set. It's going to be unbelievable if they keep playing 18 because just there's no there's no avenue to birdie at this half ridiculously long par three. Just literally come halfway down the fairway, put it both from like 100 yards and go, hit a wedge in, see how you go. Yeah. Done. I don't understand that. Yeah, I've never understood. Just keep going back to the one hole. 
it makes makes no sense to me. Anyway, Lopez Lopez and Hatuaka are into a six playoff hole and another day due to bad luck. Just quickly, uh, MB Park. So as I said, she got through uh, four holes the playoff and being knocked before being knocked out on the fifth hole. She is of course a Hall of Famer. Um, her return at the Diamond uh, Resorts Tournament of Champions was much earlier than expected, and the word on the street is it's a big push to uh, defend her Olympic title. So she won in 2016 in Rio, the first uh, time, obviously, golfers at the Olympics. She won the inaugural mm. gold medal in the women's tournament. She's currently sitting 16th uh, in terms of the rankings for the South Korean team. Uh, no doubt the hardest team to crack in women's golf. I'd suggest even harder than the American team in terms of going to the Olympics. Incredible amount of depth in South Korean women's golf. Obviously, the way the Olympics work is they invite the top two highest ranked players. And then if both of them accept, play on. If one or both of them refuse, they just continue to go down the list of the highest ranked players until they have two acceptances. MB Park is back in 16th. She's a mile back. So she's returned early to uh, make her push the Olympic streets. And it'll be one we'll keep a keen eye on because obviously a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest players ever to play the women's game. And clearly it means an awful lot to her to defend her title. So it will be great to watch her chase for one of those top two positions in the coming months uh, as we approach Tokyo in the middle of the year. Because I I reckon if she comes in red hot with momentum, having just secured a spot, it should be hard to beat in in terms of defending that gold medal. Mm, Well... I mean, she's got a lot of work to do between now and then, but if there's someone that can do it, it's, uh, it's going to be her. I mean, what, she got 14 spots to make up. It'll be one hell of a comeback if she gets there. Uh, absolutely. I, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't put it past her. She's coming up against, obviously, she's a little bit older now. And as I said, the depth in South Korea, particularly that, that next generation of talent coming through is, is enormous. But, you know, she is an imposing figure for those, for those other, uh, you know, ladies playing from South Korea on the tour. And... You know, push comes to shove. If, if you know, if you're in a shootout with MB Park for that last spot, I'd back her in every time. Just the aura that she brings. So, really interested to see her chase that uh, that that spot on the South Korean Olympic team. Drew, it's moving on to the PGA Tour Champions on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> still, uh, the funniest and maybe uh, the most interesting character on probably in the world of golf, uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez. Yeah, interesting. Cat, isn't playoffs it? takes the win over Ernie Els making his debut in Kona. <laughs> Did you see the video of him celebrating? Miguel. Yeah, phenomenal. Selfie, no, I haven't actually. Video. He's got the cigar. He's got Obviously. the light because it was in, in, in Hawaii. You know, hello, this is Miguel. Angel. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's just, it's brilliant. Uh, I just, more of him. Uh, the game is richer for having uh, Miguel in it. And- I love the PGA Tour champions. <laughs> I think it's incredible. Like, I reckon they'd just be the boys just getting on the beers. Like, they go Absolutely. out and they play a handful. Of, they, they wouldn't give a shit who wins. No, three, three like, day all events. enough money. Three yeah, day three events. day events. Friday, they get longer in preparation. They're all getting into the locale, wherever the tournament is a bit early. They're having a, you know, a couple of functions. They'd be a pro-am. We might, you know. Go and have a couple of sponsor events. Oh, unbelievable. What a what a life for a couple of guys who, let's face it, don't need the money. It's more nah. of a competitive outlet than anything else. Just an excuse to play with your buddies. But Correct. That's exactly what the PGA Tour Champions is. And you look at the names. I mean, he has won in a playoff over Ernie Els making his debut yeah. with Fred Couples. Yeah. So, no slouches. No. Nah. You know, still hitting the ball. You and I wouldn't, uh, well, we wouldn't get into the field at PGA Tour Champions for starters. But we certainly wouldn't make a cut. Like, it's, nah. not, it's not guys over the hill. 
I was no. watching highlights of Bernard Langer, who was sinking twenty-five foot parts. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. If you've got it, you never lose enough space. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got it, flaunt it, and, uh, and they certainly do. Uh, as did Miguel Angel Jimenez winning on the PGA Tour Champions in Hawaii. A couple of other very quick results, Streets, before we move yes. on to the news. Australian amateur was played over the weekend at Royal Queensland. Uh, we've got a bit of a preview of what the Australasian PGA Championship is going to look like uh, next year when it returns to uh, Brisbane for the first time in a long time. The news we brought you a couple of weeks ago that uh, Royal Queensland will host next year's Australian PGA. It hosted the Australian Amateur over the weekend. Fantastic news in the men's. Uh, a Royal Queensland member, Jed Morgan, defeated Northern Ireland's Tom McKibben in the final. This was great. Uh, this is a, a young lad with um, more course knowledge than any other member of the playing field, given he plays at RQ week in, week out. He said after securing the title that um, it's something he's dreamed of for years. His idol and his favourite player is Cameron Smith, who is a former winner of the Australian Amateur and cited um, by Jed Morgan as his inspiration for the victory over the weekend. But, I mean, no mean feat. He was to, he was getting through that tournament, beating players. Lucas Michel, our man, was in the field. Yes, he was. The defending um, US Mid-Am champion. Uh, he unfortunately didn't get to the business end. But congratulations to young Jed Morgan for his win in the men's and in the ladies. Uh, no Aussie talent in the uh, in the final. We did have uh, a former guest of the 19th tee, Kirsty Hodgkins. She yeah. played uh, in the in the women's competition, but unfortunately didn't progress to the final. But the final was won by an English schoolgirl by the name of Charlotte Heath. She defeated Indonesia's Ida Malati. So Charlotte Heath, uh, still very young, um, hits an, obviously a very good ball because RQ's quite a tough course. She takes out the ladies. Uh, title and therefore gets an exemption to a number of tournaments uh, which she will play in coming up in the next few weeks in Australia if she can get leave from school afterwards was <laughs> yeah. uh, was the story coming out of the back end of the tournament so surely that letter hopefully Charlotte's teachers are a little uh, a little understanding of her burgeoning golf career and let her stay on down under to compete in those events moving forward and just finally Drew speaking of amateurs this is a great story. So the Latin American amateur uh, was contested across the weekend. A spot at the Masters and the Open Championship up for grabs for the winner. Through 54 holes, the leader was Jose Vega, who is a trackman sales rep from Colombia. What a story. Unbelievable. Flogs trackman uh, Monday to Friday and punches a golf ball around in his spare time. He was the 54-hole leader in Latin America, but storming home with a wet sail was an even better story. 17-year-old Abel Galegos becomes the first Argentinian ever, when you, which is remarkable when you consider the talents come out of Argentina from mm. golf. Yeah, correct. First Argentinian to ever win the Latin American amateur, six foot three, if you don't mind, at 17 years of age. Jesus. So Abel Galagos will be in the field at the Masters and the Open Championship in 2020 and will be great to see the 17-year-old Argentinian walking the fairways of a couple of the most famous courses in the world, Druids. Great story. Great story. I'd love to see just one of these guys, like, you know, we, we said it, you know, like a Lucas or an Abel, like how good would it be just to see them uh, first and foremost make the cup, but then like have a great crack at it and just, you know, end up on you know, the first or second page of the leaderboard. That'd be such a great story for an amateur. Um, unfortunately, it happens. Very, very, very rarely if it's ever happened. But um, it yeah, it'd be, it'd be a great story if it happened. I'd like to see it. 
Before we hit the news, Druids, quick wrap of uh, the Aussies that we haven't mentioned. Obviously, some great success. Uh, we mentioned Cam Davis. We mentioned yes. Scott Hand. We mentioned Travis Smythe in terms of other Australians in action across the weekend. Yeah, plenty in action at the Singapore Open. Not a lot to mention uh, other than Travis Smythe. Everyone else was in the uh, in the over par category. And then uh, same at the American Express. It was really only Cam Davis who, who led the way, uh, missed cuts all round other than that. And the European Tour, uh, Zach Murray played pretty well. He finished T21, one shot behind Scotty Hend at 10 under. And Wade Ormsby, uh, five under, continuing his uh, pretty decent form. And Jason Scrivener as well was three under. So um, a bit of a mixed bag for the Aussies. When, they're, when we're playing well, we're playing well. And, and those who aren't, uh, unfortunately, are missing cuts and uh, not playing on the weekend. So... Look to return to form next week, I'd suggest, for uh, for the Aussies all round. But um, time to move on to the other news. And there's a fair bit of it to get through KM. And we've been going for a little while, but we'll uh, we'll do our best to keep it short and sweet. We're going to begin with Cam Smith and his comments on Patrick Reid. I can't believe that we're still talking about this, Marshall. Unbelievable. Well, I would have thought that his victory on the PGA Tour would draw a line under any questions about... Cameron Smith and allow everybody to focus on what should be a fantastic uh, 2024, what we have described as Australia's leading player at present. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, not the case, Dreads, because this continues to raise its ugly head. A story broken by Brian Wacker of the Australian Golf Digest that a source close to Cameron Smith had confirmed that a rep from the PGA Tour had officially warned him post his comments about uh, Patrick Reid in the lead up to the President's Cup. Now, to be clear and to remind the listeners, he didn't call Patrick Reid a cheat. What he said was, I have no time for cheating. Yeah. Reference, and he said it was a bullshit response. Absolutely. And when asked specifically about what he thought of um, Patrick Reid's controversy in, in the bunker, he said, I have no time for cheating. Didn't call Patrick Reid a cheat. Just said, I have no time for cheating. It was the only player with the gall to actually stand up and speak their mind. Everyone was thinking it. He was the only person to put a name to it. And a source close to Cameron Smith has confirmed that a PGA Tour rep officially warned him. Yeah. He said he'd be, yeah, be, be fined in future if he continued saying stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, he made it clear as day that he, he was the one with the problem, phenomenally. He would be fine in the future if he continued to brought bring his peers into disrepute by calling them out and using um, language such as cheating or cheater. This comes off the back of um, Golf Channel's Gary Williams this week, suggesting that Cameron Smith calling out the behaviour was as bad, if not worse, than the behaviour itself of Patrick Reid. Go on yourself, Gary. I don't understand when the world turned on its axis, Druids. I, I may have been asleep. I understand that we're, you and I are in different time zones. I don't know if you picked up on it. Uh, might have been in the middle of the night. But the world has seemingly turned on its head, whereby a player who is calling out what we've all seen. And we don't need to relitigate the incident because we've talked in chapter and verse about Patrick Greed and the incident, the incidents really, of his, of his flagrantly breaking the rules. But we all watched camera footage, did we mm. not? We all saw what happened in the bunker. We have one person who's willing to stand up, speak their mind, speak honestly, that that has no place in the game. And he is the one that's warned. Yeah, it's he ridiculous. is the one that's warned. It's ridiculous. I mean, we just consistently find ourselves talking around Patrick Reid. And the more that we do, the more I'm convinced that he's working for the PGA. KM, my conspiracy theory is coming to life. He is working for the PGA Tour. I don't understand why they're... 
like they're they're just going out of their way to defend him, and not just defend him, but also seemingly attack anyone who calls him out. I don't. I just don't. I don't. We had a cease and desist last week, or a couple of weeks back with Randall Shambly. Maybe there Gary, should only Gary be Williams one person in charge of rejuvenating Patrick Reed's image, and that's Patrick Reed. I don't understand yeah. why the tour has a vested interest in him improving his PR. I, yeah. don't, I don't get it. And someone as genuine and honest and good for the game as Cameron Smith is the one that's called out, is the one that's, you know, mm. run over I mean, the coals. Gary Williams is entitled to his opinion. I mean, that's fine. It's just wrong, but it's fine. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's what that's what that's what media people are there for is to deliver their opinion uh, on uh, you know on on the way that the the game is is seen and that's fine. Um, I think you've you've got to be relatively balanced if you're going to come out and make a statement like that. So there was no balance. No, there was no I, I, we, we should be as I said, uh, following his victory, we should be concentrating on what is a big year ahead for Cameron Smith, not tearing him down for for being the only one with. The you know the the courage to stand up for what he believes is right for the game. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm sick of talking about it. I'm sick of anyone other than Patrick Reed being in the firing line for the actions of Patrick Reed. Yeah, it's it's getting beyond a joke. I'm sick beyond of Patrick Reed not coming out and doing his like he's got everyone else doing his laundry for him. He's got his yeah. lawyer send, sending out cease and desist letters. He's got Gary Williams coming out face defending the music, him. Patrick, yeah, like, face the music. And well, we he did face the music and he said it was a frigging camera angle. Like, come on, Patrick. Anyway, I, I, I'm slowly wearing down on Patrick Ray because I'm more and more convinced that he is working for the PGA Tour. Speaking of the PGA Tour, Druids. Uh, <laughs> Should we, probably we stop saying that, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we stuff might get it. a cease and desist letter. And you know, uh, I mentioned what I'd do with that last week. <laughs> <laughs> They've actually made a decision, though. We... we, we Constantly yeah, blow me down. Action. They've, they've released their new slow play policy. They have indeed. It'll go into effect at the RBC Heritage in mid-April, so another good tournament. Uh, now, there's two major components to the policy, which I'm going to read verbatim off the, the PGA Tour website so we don't get it wrong. Um, so, historically, the slow play policy is focused on groups being out of position. The observation list, so this is the first part, the observation list will put additional focus on individuals whom shot link data has identified as the most, I don't know how to pronounce that word, egregiously. 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 Yep. See, this is why you're the, you're the uh, pronunciation person. Slow players. <laughs> <laughs> Those players will go on and off the list based on a 10-tournament rolling period and will be subject to a 60-second average for all shots. If observed by a rules official to exceed this time, that player will be timed individually, even if the group is in position. Important to note, the list will not be made public, but players on the list will be notified that they are on it on a weekly basis. So, and, you know, the goal is for the tour to help them to change their habits. Point one. Second point. Anyone is excessive shot times. Anyone in the field who takes more than 120 seconds to play a single shot, absent a good reason for doing so, will be given an excessive shot time. Additionally, fines and penalties for slow play have been enhanced significantly. Officials will now assess a one-stroke penalty for the second bad time in a tournament, not a round. In the tournament, not a round. And for every bad time thereafter in the same tournament, the fines for the second bad time in a season and for 10 cumulative timings in a season have also been raised to 50K. The fine is currently at 5K. Rules officials will implement the policy in part by using the app to monitor player times and the Corn Ferry will also follow suit. 
So very, very interesting. Um, look, as much as we hang out the, uh, the PGA Tour, I'm glad they've come out and actually um, made this announcement because they said they weren't going to make an announcement till post-Masters. They've come out and, and, and made an announcement. It is very confusing still. There is, there is no doubt. Even I was confused in that excessive shot times piece. I've read it about 20 times. I like the, the the idea of the observation list. I disagree that it shouldn't be made public. 100%. Like, so this, is, so this, this is my thing. But other players aren't going to know either, just FYI. Increasing, increasing the fine, to me, is immaterial. Five to 50, well, that's what, you know, for the really, realistically, Druids, the players who this is a problem for, money isn't a problem for. The great majority of players who... But how are they uh, going to send their kids to university? Well, <laughs> right, a slugger. Uh, the great majority <laughs> of players uh, who are, you know, playing tournament to tournament, cut to cut, they're not interested in playing slow because, you know, they're interested in keeping their status. It's yeah. the players with the cash that will flaunt again this rule. And so, you know, increasing a monetary penalty by by an arbitrary $45,000 is meaningless. Making the list public, on the other hand, might put a little bit more pressure than a monetary punishment. Mm. If people are named and shamed, I think you might see genuine change. Moreover, definitely this is this is a bit more this is a bit more serious. But you've got a game in golf at the PGA tour level that is wholeheartedly embracing um, sports betting. Mm. You know, and there's no two ways about that. This is a crucial piece of information. Correct. If you have, if you have got, if you have got a new policy that could cost players shots, that has a bearing on results. You cannot have your cake and eat it too. You can't take gambling money, but not be completely transparent. That's not yeah. how it works because that opens you up to a far more insidious behavior going on behind the scenes that has plagued many other sports that take gambling money. Yeah. If you're going to do it, you've got to be completely transparent. And a list like this must be made public. Agree. Must be made public. Agree. I mean, I tell you, speaking of legal lawsuits, does Bryson DeChambeau have a defamation lawsuit for just being the poster boy for slow play? The bloke's just been every, every post. Go on any golf website that's talking around slow play. And I know that he is slow, so he's probably, there is no case there, obviously. But he is on every photo. Everyone is just mm. says that he is the slowest player on tour. I would actually be surprised if he is the slowest player. I reckon there are others who are s- slower than he is. Oh, I, 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 yeah, you're right. <laughs> Not many, but I, I would be surprised if he is the um, Stone Motherless last slowest player. It's because he is highly ranked in the world. He's a bit unorthodox it's and he's slow. Yeah, he's got a target on his back. Absolutely, so, he's got a target on his back. Look, I'll give props to the PGA Tour for making an announcement. Did they do all their homework? I... I I don't think so. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to see that list become public at some point. And I reckon, I reckon there will be public perception. They will have to, um, you know, they've, they've had to make this decision um, to implement a slow play policy or update their slow play policy off the back of public backlash, uh, you know, and the European tour in, in um, implementing something. So, you know, I think if there's enough people up in arms about it, there will be, um, you know, I think they will have to eventually down the track uh, put that list out publicly. Proof will be in the pudding, Druids. And 
you know, this is at least better than the inaction that has plagued them on this issue. But I'm still skeptical as to whether we'll see any material change as a result of this. You know, Mm. there may be subsequent amendments and slightly harsher rules that might force change. I'm not sure that this first step is going to do that, but we will wait and see. Now, speaking of Bryson. Yes. How about uh, the... What do you want to call it? Body bag, murder, KO, whatever was handed to Bryson by um, one Brooks Kepka earlier this week. Uh, this this is this is a feud that the the tour needs to lean into because it's screaming out for a bit of controversy. It's got everybody talking, but I, I'm 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 loath um, I'm loath to suggest that they might just be true to form and try and pour water on it. Never pair them together in a tournament. And never, you know, do anything to take advantage of it. But Drew, this is this is the sort of stuff that um, golf fans, modern golf fans, crave. Yeah, is this sort of feud that's going on between Brooks and Bryson at present? Might be time for another Nathan controversy. Is this all being plagued by the PGA, and they're probably just good mates? <laughs> you know, it's, for the I, for the context of the listeners who might not know what we're talking about, uh, Bryson has formed a new habit whereby he jumps on Twitch. Um, which I believe I don't have great knowledge of the platform, but I believe is a an avenue through which you can live stream yourself playing video games and people tune in to watch you playing video games. Go figure. That's a thing. Uh, And they can also ask you questions. So you can interact with those people watching you play video games. Again, that's a thing. Uh, He was playing Fortnite. He's done it a couple of times now. Um, I think the great majority of people on the Twitch stream are golf journalists who just see this as an avenue through which they can ask him questions they wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to do. And he found himself in the middle of this Twitch um, stream criticising Brooks's figure. Um, You know, on a tangent about his efforts to bulk up, talking about um, Brooks's ESPN body issue, the fact that he he doesn't have any abs, that he's all arms. That he didn't have a six-pack. Doesn't have a six-pack. Didn't hold back. Um, Brooks sat on it for 24 hours. And then posted a photo across his social media. Uh, the caption was, you're right, Bryson. I am too short of a six-pack. The photo was his four major championship trophies. Advantage, Kepka. Not advantage. That's uh, that's called the fight. That's <laughs> like Bryson continues to show himself um, to not have... <laughs> he's got one punch, Bryson, and doesn't floor anyone. And so when that yeah. person, whoever it is, gets up, and, and it's seemingly a lot of these days seems to be Brooks, it's it's good night. It's lights out because Bryson, in an attempt to make himself imposing, has put on a whole bunch of pounds. Um, he's certainly looking a lot more muscly. His mm. golf's not getting any bigger, nor is his ability to talk any trash to any other player on tour. He missed the cut this week, didn't he? Brooks continues to um, you know tie his shoelaces together. It's uh, it's unbelievable to watch, but yeah, again, more of it, more of it. Pair them together, put them yeah. in a tournament together, make them pl- make them walk eighteen holes side by side, not, turn not... the lights up as hot as they go, and let's all tune in. Cook the popcorn, sit back, grab a drink, and enjoy the next. Th- well, I was going to say three and a half hours, probably closer to five with Bryce, but <laughs> enjoy the time. I don't want it in a tournament. I want it in the Masters, round one of the Masters. Mm. Do it. We, like, well, the, the duo would have no choice if they were both vying for a spot in the final round. I so. guarantee you, if you paired Bryson with Brooks at round one, um, Bryson, we definitely wouldn't make the cut, might not make Go it. Go to water. Two. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Interesting, Interesting times for those two. 
All right, Drudes, just before we uh, sign off, you, yes. my friend, speaking of tournament play. Yes. How are you? Made your debut. Yes, this was a lot of fun. Talk to us uh, about Blitz Golf. Yeah, the boys at Blitz Golf. I met Simon uh, yesterday, um, a great guy who's doing some fantastic things and, and I suppose really um, answering the call to what we've spoken a lot about on this podcast and that's alternative forms of golf. Um, so basically Blitz Golf Works is you, you sign up on the app, you, you rock up, you play six holes, it's all on Stableford scoring. Uh, after that, there's a cut made. Uh, then you go through to the second round, same process applies, except you play three holes, then uh, another cut and so on and so forth until you get down to the final group and they play one one hole to finish. I made it through the first round, um, which was which was a lot of fun. Uh, and then I got knocked out in the second round. Uh, I was on the cutoff line and then you have a little chip off and I uh, butter knifed my, my chip. Um, but, you know, all so bad. It was... Uh, it was a, it was a bit of fun, you know. Like uh, I was, I'm not a lie. I was pretty nervous standing on the first tee because I was. Uh, you, you obviously you uh, score on the app. It's live scoring. You can follow the leaderboard. Uh, you score for another player. I was scoring for a guy named Matt. His um, he, his handicap was five. Uh, I was off twenty three, so I was picking up a few extra points. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I'd, I'd encourage everyone to get out and have a crack at Blitz Golf. There's a whole heap of them over here in WA, so I think I'm gonna try and have a crack at a few different tournaments. There's one down at Dunsborough Lakes, which I've spoken uh, ad nauseum about. And it was, um, I might try and get down there and play that. So, but look, Blitz Golf, a lot of fun. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it was at the WA Golf Club, uh, which is members only here in Perth. Uh, very nice golf course. Uh, all the members were absolutely fantastic. Very, very welcoming. Uh, met a, a whole range of them. I actually played with the uh, GM of the course in the first, <laughs> In the first, um, in the first round, which was uh, which networking, was good. yeah. So, uh, give me a membership. Uh, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, and then um, uh, Andrew Gaff, West Coast Eagles midfielder, played as well. He played quite well. Got through to the third round. So, a lot Pick of fun. That name off off the floor. That's good. Yeah. No, it was it was very good. He can play. He can play golf. It was exactly uh, what we've been screaming correct. out for. Absolutely, uh, is a different format. You yeah, know, something a little bit shorter. Um, something that has a consequence, an immediate consequence, yeah. as is that knockout format. And, and it's know, good, even if you're a 20, 20 handicapper like me, you can still pick up points, you know, very easily. Like I, um, I got two points on each of the first three holes and, and that was pretty much enough to lock me up for the first, uh, for the first uh, or second round rather. So um, it's not just limited to people with low handicaps. Uh, sometimes that can be a, a, a negative thing. So, um, I'd encourage Absolutely. everyone to, to have a go. Highly encourage the listeners to jump on um, either uh, the Blitz Golf website or there's an app, Blitz Golf. Uh, check out the amateur series. You mentioned the number of tournaments in Western mm, Australia. Thanks. I looked at Queensland today. There's a heap of events. Um, Get out. Also, a heap of events in New South Wales, Victoria, all around the country. Uh, the amateur series will lead to regional finals, which will lead to a national final. So, have an opportunity to go and you know, rub shoulders potentially not only with the other players in your state, but also at a national level, depending on how far you go. So, yeah. We, uh, we're going to have a chat to the guys behind Blitz Golf in the coming weeks, um, yes, just about the, you know, their passion for the game, their ethos behind taking a different direction because it's something we're certainly on board with. But, Drudes, congrats to you for trying out tournament That's golf. Nice. Yes. Um, was a little bit nervy, but we got there. No, you did. You did well, mate. And, and you know, what better way to walk a couple of fairways at WA Golf Club on a Sunday yeah. afternoon? Not yeah, bad. It was beautiful. Not bad. Now, Drew, just before we go, um, remiss of us uh, not to mention uh, the passing of Tom Crow. Correct. Uh, the founder of Cobra. 
uh, passed away during the week, aged 88. Uh, we had a chat back in episode 15 to our good mate, Brenton Ford, uh, who works uh, for Cobra Puma Australia. And, you know, one of the shining lights that came through in that chat with Fordy was the emphasis that Cobra places on innovation. And that comes directly from their founder, Tom Crow. You know, you, you only have to listen to um, the words that came from Greg Norman this week about um, Tom Crow. Of course, Greg Norman's played with Cobra for many, many years. And, uh, you know, the reverence with which he spoke about Tom Crow um, speaks volumes of the man that he was, the contribution that he's made to the game. And so we, we do, um, you know, pass on our condolences, not only to his family, but all those whose lives engulfed that he touched. And, uh, you know, we've, we've lost, unfortunately, now two consecutive weeks to uh, two gentlemen of the game. So uh, rest in peace to Tom Crow. Yeah, well said, Marshy. True, that'll do us for another week. Uh, yep. Thanks again for your company. Thanks again to the listeners for theirs. Don't forget to, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, download, subscribe, uh, Spotify and Apple. We are on both these days, the 19th Tea Podcast. You'll also find us there on the socials, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, the 19th Tea Podcast. Also, Drew, some very exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks. So yes. later this week, we'll be having a chat to... An Aussie who may well have the best job in the world. He writes yeah. for the PGA Tour website. He travels around um, the tour each and every year, follows players and gets to write about golf. Ben Everill is his name. I'm very much looking forward to having Ben on the program. Also coming up, we have the Director of Courses at Royal Melbourne, Richard Forsyth, which will be a fantastic chat. We've got one of the preeminent golf photographers in the world, Gary Lisbon, coming up and a number of uh, others in the pipeline. So, so some exciting guests and exciting few weeks coming up for the 19th Tee Droods. Very yeah, very exciting your company uh, for all of those as well. Absolutely, mate. The, some fantastic chats uh, in there. Encourage everyone to get around them. Get through the back catalogue as well if you haven't already. There's some uh, fantastic stories in there. But um, all steam ahead for the rest of January in the year, mate. Flying Absolutely. through 2020. Absolutely. I enjoyed the little dove droids. Yes, I did too. I had a few of those on the weekend. 6.2%, probably a little bit higher in alcohol content than I would have need a few. loved. But uh, look, the, the guys at Gage Road Brewing are doing uh, fantastic things. Interesting fact I'm going to leave you with before uh, we do sign off. Gage Road is the area between Fremantle and Rotnest, if anyone didn't know that. So, I did. fun fact. There you go. Yeah. Lovely part of the world. God's country. That it is. That it oh, is. Mate. Lovely to have you. Thanks for uh, thanks Always for joining us for another week. We'll uh, we'll do it all again for our listeners. Head down, swing hard, swing straight. That'll do us. We'll see you next week on the nineteenth day.